What is going on, New Vision family? Hopefully, you are experiencing the goodness of God even in a crazy season. I wanted to start off our time today with reading a passage of scripture that I read this morning that really encouraged me. And of course, it's found in Romans. It says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Let me read that one more time. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. What a timely word, even though this was written many, many years ago to a context that's a little different, but really very similar to the context we find ourselves in today. Paul is reminding people that, listen, rejoice in hope. Why? Because hope is founded in Jesus. Be persistent and consistent in affliction and be patient in affliction. That means we walk slowly with Jesus knowing that he's got it and he is not freaking out because he knows how this story ends. Then the last part, be persistent in prayer. Pray again and again and again and again to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What I love about this passage, it helps remind me of what is true. And so hopefully it can help you today remember what is true. This has been a weird season. I feel like my decisions are different. I feel like the ways I navigate are different. I feel like today's choices are, do I wear my morning pajamas or how long do I wear my morning pajamas before I go into my evening pajamas? Questions like that that I'm not used to. But in this season, I'm learning that I have been forced to a posture to walk slower with Jesus. And what I love about Jesus and what also is frustrating to me about Jesus is the fact that he never seemed to be in a rush. He always was attentive to what was in front of him, walking slowly to the next thing. He was very intentional in the in-between, and we can learn a lot from the posture of Jesus. And also, the invitation is to not only survive this season, but to thrive in this season. And you might be thinking to yourself, Nick, how in the world do you expect me to thrive in this season? Everything seems chaotic. Everything seems out of whack. Well, the way that you thrive is the same way you thrive when everything is going well. You fix your eyes on the king and you allow your feet to walk towards what your eyes are fixed upon. That is how we navigate this journey. And we've been on an incredible journey through the book of Romans. We're going to land the plan on our time in Romans today, but I want you to know there has been so much rich content. We've heard through the podcast. We've heard in these weekly messages about how Romans helps us in this very time to navigate this life. We have seen that Romans really does this amazing job of explaining the ins and the outs of the gospel, and we have learned much. Last week, Brady talked about we have one choice to make. Either we're going to be conformed by this world or transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. In case you don't know which is the better avenue in which to take, let me go ahead and remind you right now. It is a better posture to be transformed by Jesus. And it's not always the easiest posture, but it is the best posture. Today, we're going to begin talking about submission. Now, when I say that initially, some of you, your walls automatically went up. You're like, submission? No one likes to submit. 
Let me go ahead and say this. The human condition is one that we don't have a normal posture of submission. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We want to lead things. We want to do all the things and be in charge of ourselves. But Jesus has invited us to have a different posture than the world may have. And it's submitted to him. It's submitting to him and those who are in authority over us. And that's not always easy because we are always looking for a loophole out of submission. But today, we're going to look and we're going to see that, hey, submission really is the best posture. Typically, when we talk about submission, we view it in a negative lens. But today, I hope that we can view it in a better lens and a different lens. And maybe, just maybe, we will no longer be a people that fight against submission, but that we will embrace submission and see that it can yield some very beautiful fruit. So before we even start the conversation, though, what does submit means? To submit means this, to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. Automatically, even as I read that definition again, in my heart, I'm like, oh, oh, submit to a superior force or to an authority or the will of another person. Here's why submission is the best posture for us. Submission is the best posture in light of whom we are submitted to. Our ultimate person that we are surrendered to, if you have said yes to walk in right relationship with Jesus, is to Jesus. So that means we have surrendered our old ways and our old thinking for new ways and transformed living. And so because of who we are ultimately submitted to, we also submit to those around us in authority. And listen, that is not an easy thing to walk out, and that's engaging the tension of life. But I think it's a worthwhile endeavor, and it's something that we can do together as we fix our eyes on Jesus and as we walk out his ways. So as we dive into Romans chapter 13, let's pray. Let's pray that our hearts will be open. Let's pray that our defenses will be down. And let's pray that God will reveal himself in how we should now live in light of what he has done. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you do. Lord, thank you for this invitation that you have given us to walk in the best posture, and that's a posture of submission. Father, may we be a people that not fight against that. May we not be a people that are continuing to try to find a loophole as to why we don't have to submit. But may we be a people that submit first to you and secondly to those in authority over us. As we navigate this difficult topic, Father, may we remember that those who are in authority only are allowed to be in authority because of you. And so, Father, knowing that, may we remind ourselves of that and may we walk differently in light of that truth. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. So as followers of Jesus, we are called to submit to those in authority over us, those who are leading the country, those who are placed in authority over us at work, those who are our college professors at school, those who are our teachers at high, in high school, middle school, or elementary school. All these people are in authority over us, and we have been invited to submit to them, revealing who we ultimately are 
submit it to. As Paul is pinning this letter to the church in Rome, I want you to understand that the social construct and all that's going on in Rome, it was a very, very explosive political climate. Let me say that again. In Rome, which we were reading today, was a very explosive, a very tense political climate. But yet, Paul is writing this to the church and the followers of Christ. They're saying, hey, I know that this is an interesting climate, but I am still calling you based on what Jesus has asked us to do and what Jesus did to submit to those who are in authority. Let me go ahead and say this. Romans 13 does not give an exhaustive kind of approach to how we navigate all authority. It does speak to some truth. It says, listen, because of those who are placed in authority, we believe that God has allowed them to be there, so we submit, but never forgetting that we are ultimately submitted to God. We're submitted to God first, and those leaders who are in authority over us, as long as they're not going directly against an ordained word of God, we submit and we follow. That is how we best navigate. And in Matthew 22, 21, Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God. What Jesus is speaking to is there is a tension that we have to walk in. There is still a tension today in what we have to walk in when it comes to submitting to those in authority, the leaders of our country, the leaders of our businesses, so on and so forth. There is a tension we walk in remembering that we're ultimately surrendered to God first, but we have been called to submit to those in authority as well. So Romans 13, beginning in verse 1. Open up your Bibles. Here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Here's a word I do not like. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Here's something that we have to remember as we navigate. God is in charge of who is in charge. Let me say that again. God is in charge of who is in charge. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, hey, Nick, every time I pick up a paper, every time I look at the news, I see those who are in charge are not making decisions that I would make or not doing things that seem to be right. But here's what is true. God can use a as what we would call a bad leader, and he can use a good leader too. God is in control, and God knows what he's doing. And he is able to leverage whomsoever he wants to for his good and for his glory. Now, we have to ultimately believe that. We have to know that God knows what he's doing, and he is in charge, even when our leaders sometimes appear to not be doing the best thing. We trust, hey, God, we know you're going to use even this, even even some of the mistakes they're making, even maybe some of the not wisest decisions they're making, you are going to use it for your glory and your good because this is your idea. You have placed people in authority in our lives and around our lives to help us navigate this life and walk towards you and to walk in your ways. It says this in Daniel chapter 2. Verse 20, which is great, because Daniel was in a context and an environment where he didn't necessarily always agree with those in leadership, but he was fully submitted to God. And because of that, he was submitted to the authorities that were in place because he knew that God was in charge. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his he changes times and seasons. He disposes of kings and raises up others. See, God is able to even use 
kingdoms and authorities that are not walking in his ways. He are, he's able to leverage them for his good. He He's able to leverage what they meant for evil for his good and his purposes and what he ultimately doing. We even see that with the story of Pontius Pilate and Jesus. Pontius Pilate had an opportunity to do the right thing when it came to Jesus. He could have very easily said, you know what, Jesus? These kind of these things that are brought against you, these charges that people are saying about you, I know they're not true. So I'm going to let you go free. But we don't see Pontius Pilate do that. We see, well, you know, well, I'm going to kind of abdicate my authority and I'm going to just let the people choose, even though that's not the best thing. And what do we see God do with that? We see that he uses it to bring about redemption, to bring about peace through his son's life on a cross. So even though Pontius Pilate did not do the best thing and did not walk in the best ways and did not do what we think he should do, God was still able to leverage that for our good and for his glory, which is amazing. And you might be going, but Nick, you know, it is so hard sometimes for me, depending on who's in office, to respect them because I don't agree with what they say. They don't seem like they are fully competent to do what they have been called to do. And I would encourage you with this. It doesn't mean that you always agree with the person in office. It doesn't even mean that you always like the person in office. But what it means is that because we are submitted to God, we recognize that whoever is in that office in this season has been allowed by God to be in office for this season. And so we're going to pray for that person. We're going to try to encourage that person to do what is best. We are going to encourage them to lead this place in a way that God would have them lead it. Not because we like them and not because we agree with everything, but because of whom God has called us to be. And because we are submitted to God, ultimately, we submit to those who he has allowed to be in authority. I love the way that Richard Halverson kind of speaks to this. He was a former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and this, this quote is kind of long, but I love the way he frames this up. I love the way he kind of puts a new lens on this. It helped me able to be able to navigate this because I have lots of opinions about people in authority and all kinds of things, but this just helped me kind of put this in perspective of what is true. Richard Halverson says this, to be sure Men will abuse and misuse the institution of the state, just as man, because of sin, has abused and misused every other institution in history, including the church of Jesus Christ. But this does not mean that the institution is bad or that it should be forsaken. It simply means that men are sinners and rebels in God's world, and this is the way they behave with good institutions. As a matter of fact, it is because of this very sin that there must be human governments to maintain order in history until the final and ultimate rule of Jesus Christ is established. Human government is better than anarchy, and the Christian must recognize the divine right of state. What he closes that and says, we must recognize and remember that God's in charge of who's in charge, even in the moments it doesn't seem like it. God knows what he is doing, even in the midst of sometimes confusion, even sometimes of misunderstanding, God is still in charge and he is working it out for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. He's going to use even maybe what was meant for evil 
he's gonna leverage that for good. And we see that in the narrative of scripture over and over and over again. And God is still able to do that. And God is still doing that. Let's keep going. Romans 13, verse two. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to be in punishment on the wrongdoer. God has a purpose and a plan for those in authority. And so when we rebel against authority just because we might not like what they say or like what they do or agree fully as to the direction which they're going, we don't just get the right to go, okay, I'm just not, I'm just going to rebel. I'm just going to tell everyone to go the opposite way. No, what it is saying is if it is not violating the word of God, then we have to submit and we go, okay, we know that God has a purpose and a plan for those who are in authority because God is leveraging who's in authority to kind of help us walk in the ways that will lead to the way and the invitation he has given us. And, I, and you might be going, but Nick, how can you say this about this? How can you say this about that? Here's what I know. I know that God is in charge of who's in charge. And I also know that God has a purpose and a plan for those who are in authority. And so I don't have all the answers for every nuance of authority. But here's what I do know. As long as they are not breaking the word and the law of God, as long as they're not going in the totally opposite direction of what God has called us to do, then we are called to submit. Now, there are moments where people will go, well, this is right. Well, we're going to do this. And it violates the word of God. Then we are allowed, even called to have civil disobedience. And you see this all throughout scripture. You see it in Acts and you see it in other places throughout the gospels. But we are called to stand up first for Christ and in those other situations and, and, and things that come our way when we're kind of like, ah, well, that didn't directly go against what God has said or the word of God, then we are called to submit. And here's the thing. When we step outside of the boundaries in which we're laid out by the authorities that we have, there are consequences. And here's the deal. We might go, well, I don't agree with that law or I don't agree with that way. We are still called to obey those rules and obey those boundaries because if we step outside of those boundaries, there are consequences because we have been called because of whom we're ultimately submitted to to submit to those in authority. And listen, I don't like that either, but let me go ahead and go back to this. Because of my broken nature, because of my old self, I don't like for anybody to be in charge of me. I wanna be in charge of me. And so it's not just with authorities, it's in other aspects of my life too. And so we get most bothered sometimes about those authority who in authority over our state or our country, but we always have this kind of bend towards I don't want to follow the rules and the regulations. We treat a God in the same way. That's what sin is. It's rebellion. It's going our own way when he's invited us to walk the best way. 
And so you may or may not know this about me, but I have three kids. My oldest is Ava. She's 11. My next is Jackson, who just turned 10 last week. And then I have my youngest is five. His name is Nash. And so we have been home a lot as you have been home a lot. And you might be noticing that sometimes when you're with each other, a lot of the time you start acting in your flesh and not in your spirit. And that just that's not just for kids. That's also for me and my wife as adults. Sometimes we act in the flesh and not in the spirit. And so my two oldest, Ava and Jackson, were having a situation where they were acting in their old sinful nature. They were picking at each other. They were hitting each other. They were doing all kinds of things just to bother each other. They were walking outside the boundaries that their authorities, my wife and I, had laid out for them to walk in the best way and for them to be most Christ-like. So they stepped outside of those boundaries. And because they stepped outside of those boundaries, there were consequences to their actions. And so my wife, many, many years ago, when Ava and Jackson were young, she kind of did this thing where if you can't get along, if you are acting in such a way that doesn't reflect that your king is living in you and through you, then we're going to have to correct you. And the way we have chosen to correct our kids is the hug timeout. You might be going, what the heck is a hug timeout? Well, I'm going to explain you. And kids, you might be going, Nick, why would you give this to my parents? I'm giving this to your parents. You can use it. It's wonderful. And it makes my kids miserable. And I kind of like that. But so what they're forced to do, the other day they were fighting. Laura called them in our room. They sat at the foot of our bed and they had to hug until we told them to stop. It was wonderful. It was glorious. We didn't just do that just for the sake of humor, even though it was funny, we did that because we wanted them to walk in a different way. And if they continued to walk in the way that they were walking, it wouldn't have led to anywhere good. And so because we are their authority, because the goal for us, for them, is to walk in a way that best represents Jesus, we allowed some consequences to happen to correct that or reveal what was true to them. And the same is true with authorities that we have in our lives today. When we step outside the boundaries that have been set, there are consequences to those actions. And so because of that, we hopefully will take those consequences if we experience them and walk in a different way. Romans 13, verse 5. Therefore, so in light of what we just read about authorities and punishments and rules and boundaries, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We submit because of whom we ultimately are submitted to. And let me go ahead and say this. Because maybe in the back of your head, you had this thought. Let me speak to it. Submission doesn't always mean agreement. Can can I just say that? I'm ultimately submitted to God, so I submit to the authorities that he has placed in my life because he's in charge of who's in charge. And so there are times that I will submit and am called to submit even if I don't fully agree with you because submission is not synonymous with agreement. And hopefully that frees you up a little bit. Hopefully that relieves the tension a little bit that we're walking in when it comes to authorities and navigating how we submit to them. And the other thing is this, and I think this is key, and we've been repeating it, you've heard it, you've heard it woven into this 
all throughout this time we've had together. Our submission to authority reveals whom we are ultimately submitted to. Let me, let me say that one more time. Our submission to authority reveals whom we are ultimately submitted to. And this is the beauty of submission. See, there is an aroma that comes off of our lives when we are ultimately submitted to God. And then in light of that, we submit to those in authority. It's otherworldly. There will be people that look at that and go, hey, you didn't fully agree with them, but yet you're praying for them. Yet you're yielding what they have said. Hey, you don't agree with kind of the statutes in which they set, but yet you are abiding by them because you understand and you recognize that by submitting to those authorities around you and who are in charge of you, that you're ultimately revealing who you are submitted to. That is a beautiful thing. That is the gospel being displayed in our everyday lives, in our everyday work, in our everyday living. We are able to give off this beautiful picture and this aroma of Jesus because we are following his ways and doing what he has called us to do even when it's inconvenient, even when it's not fun, even when we don't like that person who's in authority over us. But we know that we are revealing who we're ultimately submitted to because we're submitting to those who are around us. Last couple of verses I want to close with. Romans 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding, Accept the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, not ha- does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Here how Paul is closing out this section in scripture. He's going to listen. Ultimately, they will know we are submitted to this law and submitted to the ultimate law by the way that we love other people. That is the evidence of our submission. That is the evidence of our love for Christ. That is the evidence because we have been loved much, we love much. That is the evidence of the essence of Jesus. And we give that evidence off and we reveal that evidence well when we love our neighbor as ourselves. The best display of who we are submitted to is through the way we love those around us. Let that breathe for a second. The way we ultimately and best display whom we are ultimately submitted and surrendered to is through the way we love those around us. And here, I'm talking about your neighbor. I'm talking next door. I'm talking about those who work alongside you or maybe those in the next Zoom box that you're using in this season. I'm talking about those who maybe you don't like. I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking about the way we love those in our lives that are inconvenient to love kind of paints a clearer picture of whom we are ultimately submitted to. And you might be going, but Nick, that's hard. I get it. I, I get it. It is a difficult invitation, but it's still the best invitation. Jesus says this to his disciples as he was preparing to wash their feet. As he has washed their feet, he had served them well. He says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, 
Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want you to think about something. Jesus, whom was perfect, washed the feet, submitted to those who were imperfect. His disciples were far from perfect. But yet, what did he do anyways? He washed their feet, submitted his will, and did something that he had no business doing, but he did it. Why? Because he was setting the example and in setting the tone and the rhythm in which we have been invited to live our lives. So I mentioned my youngest, he's five. And there are moments where he'll be playing with friends and he does not handle <laughs> handle his friends with love, does not handle his friends well. But then there are other moments where I see that he is giving, that he is loving, and he is very neighborly. He will give the toy that he's playing with to a friend, or he will allow a friend to play on his video game. And in those moments, I tell you what, I am so proud. Why? Because I feel like he is best representing his last name of the family he's a part of, because he is loving those around him really, really well. Guys, we if you are in right relationship with Jesus, we bear the name of Jesus Christ, Christian little Christ. That means we bear his name. And so as we love and submit and walk in this world, we are displaying and painting a picture of the king. The question is, what kind of picture are you painting? Is it one that is true and accurate? Or is it one that is far from what is true? Jesus has given us an invitation to love really well. So you might be going, what does that look like today in my everyday life? How can I show those around them that I love them and I'm submitted to those in authority? Here, here's one thing, and, and this maybe some of you are not going to like this, and that's okay. You can send an email to Brady. He would love to receive that. Um, maybe leveraging your social media for good and not for what is evil. And here's what I'm saying. There is so much chatter. There is so much negative on social media. Maybe we could be a people that go, you know what? Because we're ultimately submitted to the king, I'm also going to submit my social media to the king. And I'm going to use it to leverage the glory and the gospel of Jesus. Another thing it might mean is maybe praying more than critiquing those who are in authority. Hmm, that's a challenge to me. Maybe in those times when I want to critique, I will pick up prayer instead. Maybe that will be the tool in which I use instead of my critiquing and my judgmental tool. Maybe I will show that I'm submitted to a king by submitting to those in authority and praying more than I critique them. And loving your neighbor. You can do that. You might be going, hey, Nick, but I'm not supposed to get close. Maybe that means you share some toilet tissue that you've gotten. Maybe that means you're going to the store and you go, hey, if, is there anything I can get you? I'll just leave it on your front doorstep. Maybe in this season, if you have a little more time, maybe that means you send a note to someone. You say, hey, I want you to know that I'm for you and I love you. Maybe somebody, here we go, this is going to be, maybe somebody you don't even like that much. Maybe you go, because I'm ultimately submitted to a king, I'm going to submit and write to those I may not even like. Maybe what it means for you to walk in a submitted and a surrendered posture is to join us. We are writing notes to inmates. We're writing notes to college kids. We're writing, we're providing food for some college kids and for those kids around us who don't have the means to get food. Maybe you just step in and go, you know what? I'm going to submit my money, my resources, and I am going to give because of whom I'm ultimately surrendered to. 
Here's what I love. I love that Jesus set this example better than anybody else. Jesus revealed whom he was submitted to by the way he loved us. He submitted to the will of his Father, and he did the hard things. Why? Because it was the best thing, and it yielded something that was truly beautiful, our redemption. Maybe you're sitting right where you are today, and you go, man, Jesus paid that kind of price for me? I never even realized that. I heard about Jesus, but I thought he was someone that was against me or someone that wanted to judge me or someone who just gave me a bunch of rules and regulations. No, Jesus is the king who took off his robe, met us in the midst of our dirt, met us in the midst of while we were still a sinner, he died and surrendered his life for us. Maybe you're sitting there and you go, I never knew this about Jesus. I thought he was someone that was against me, who had a bunch of rules and regulations, who told me I had to be better before I could come and be a part of his family. But that's not true at all. See, Jesus, while you were still a sinner in the midst of your sin, he surrendered his life for you so that he could win back what was lost and so that you could accept your RSVP to his table and dine with the king. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never said yes to the invitation of Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity right now to do so. Right where you're sitting, right here in this moment, if you could say something like this, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but nobody does. But in the best way I know how, I say yes to the invitation you are giving to me to be a part of your family. I say yes to the perfect life you lived for 33 years and the mission that your father God sent you on. I say yes to the fact that you were beaten, you were broken, and you were crucified on my behalf. And I say yes to the fact that three days later, you got up out of the grave, reigning over death and sin and making a way for me to reign over death and sin. So I say yes to you. If you were able to pray something like that to God, if you were able to say something like that to Jesus, on the authority of God's word, it says that you will be saved. Or a better way to say that, you are now a part of the family of God. We would love to walk with you in this. We would love to help you with next steps. There's ways you can reach out by clicking on a tab or sending us an email. But we want to walk with you and help you navigate this new life that has been earned, that has been given to you through the completed work of Jesus. Know this. No, it is a great invitation that Jesus has invited us to be a part of his family and to represent him and to be his ambassadors in this world. And we can do that through submitting and loving because that's how we best display whom we're ultimately submitted to. Let me pray for you, and then I'll let you continue on with what God has in store for us. Dear Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for the price that was paid on our behalf. Thank you that you know what you're doing. Thank you that you are able to mend broken things and leverage and use them for good. Thank you that even though we walk in the tension of this world and we might not always know the best next step to make, Lord, that we can continue to fix our eyes on you and we can take a next step trusting and loving you. Lord, thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you've got our back and thank you that you're in control. We love you, we thank you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.